This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from One Trust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Stocker. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. Today we talked with Maciej Zawajinski from PeeWeek and PeeWeek Pro. What'd you guys think? Man, this was interesting. I um, I never heard the business model or how a business model comes about um, for an open source software project. And this was very much um, a group of of developers building open source software out of passion and then realize that they could turn it into a business. So that was very interesting to hear. What did you guys think? Yeah, it was really cool to hear about how their sales team formed over time. And it sounds like they have a great process now that they're using to handle inbound leads that come into them. So 
Let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week, I asked George Diab of Working On about the best domain he ever purchased. Oh, I bought AskSmalls.com, which is the nickname for my wife. I used to, instead of just like going to Google, I would just ask my wife a question and she'd answer it. So I'm like, yeah, we should get you a website, AskSmalls.com. Yeah, and you might get a you might get a happy Smalls. You might get a cranky Smalls. But you got smalls. That's guaranteed. Go to hover.com and use the code satisfied customers to get 10% off your domain purchase today. You know what a gator is? It's like an alligator. Yes. No, oh, then. HostGator makes web hosting easy and affordable. With packages starting at just $3.96 a month, it's the easiest way to get your next project online. Go to HostGator forward slash promo forward slash rocket ship to get 30% off today. You've heard me rave about CodeShip before. It's because they're an incredible team building an amazing product that makes my days happier and my code more reliable. Recently, they shipped an incredible new feature. It's called Parallel CI and it allows for faster testing than ever before. Early access customers like Product Hunt have improved their development speed tremendously. If you haven't yet, tell your dev team to start a free trial. They have a super generous free plan, and they also offer 20% off three months to all Rocketship listeners. Sign up at codeship.com forward slash Rocketship. So thanks for coming on, Mache. Tell us a bit about PeeWeek. Hi, uh, nice to meet you guys. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so Pewik is uh, an open source analytics platform uh, available for free. And uh, we as a company behind Pewik, uh, we offer uh, two products, Pewik Cloud and Pewik Enterprise uh, for different, two different uh, customer groups. And when did you start Pewik? Um, so, Pewik project uh, was started in 2007 by Matthew Aubrey. I was one of the first people who joined the project uh, just after the first release. Uh, at that time, I was uh, uh, having my own startup that was an advertising network uh, here in Poland. And I was looking for a solution to track statistics and uh, I didn't want it to start from scratch and Pewik was just, the first release of Pewik was just published and I thought like this is a good start. And uh, yeah, I started improving the product and adjusting it for our use. Uh, at the same time, contributing a lot to uh, the performance and some some of additional features. And that's how I started with Pewik. Uh, the journey has right now, this is around 2008. Uh, we are five lines late, uh, five years later, and we are running business based on on what we have worked uh, during these first early days. So, tell me about that transition you made, taking an open source project and putting a business model behind it. Um, so, this was done relatively late because this was done uh, around two years ago. Uh, so project had already like five years uh, being developed as an open source by uh, just a couple of guys who, who spent some time after hours on it. Uh, but we started to see it, it, it got a lot of traction. We, we, we had uh, in 2011, we had already 100,000 active users of the software. Uh, 
And we started to receive consulting requests from uh, various businesses. First, it was uh, small businesses, but uh, at some point when we started uh, to get the uh, inquiries for consulting from corporate and uh, corporate clients, government clients, we thought that we need to do something about it. And instead of acting as individual consultants, uh, create a com- create a company and uh, offer some products beyond the uh, consulting part, which uh, does not really scale. So, at that point, did you start to build out a sales team and the different components to sub- to sell this product? Um, so, we didn't start with the safety because we were were already having a steady flow of inquiries. So, we first had to figure out what kind of products we offer. Um, it was obvious for us that we should uh, offer a cloud product, which is uh, a hosted version of Buick. Uh, but we saw at the same time that the large customers uh, and uh, customers from particular countries, especially here in Europe, in Germany, where there are uh, strong privacy regulations, they choose Buick because they can host it on their infrastructure and they can collect sensitive data in it and they have full control over the data. So we knew from the beginning that uh, the software as a service model won't really work for uh, for this uh, particular types of clients. Uh, and what we found out, we started doing some experimenting based on the consulting requests we received for offering support packages. And I think within a year, uh, we figured out how it should be offered and how it should be priced. It was trial and error. And uh, this is uh, the, the effect of that is PWIC for Enterprise or PWIC Enterprise product that we currently offer. So was that the plan the whole time was to offer um, you know, enterprise support or were you guys passionate about open source software and then this opportunity kind of arose? Can you talk us through how you guys came to that decision? Uh, yeah, so uh, this decision wasn't uh, this wasn't planned in the beginning. So the vision and the mission of Pewix started really in the open source world and uh, between developers who wanted to uh, provide an alternative to uh, uh, Google Analytics, where it was you know uh, it was still beginning of Google Analytics really in uh, 2007. So. Uh, then Urchin was uh, acquired and uh, phased out, and we thought that uh, we really need to make a good software uh, that is an alternative to uh, to growing uh, dominance of of Google Analytics. And there wasn't any like uh, business model behind it when we were. Uh, developing the software for the first few years. So, how were you guys paying like your rent then um, mm-hmm. when you're working on this this very large open source software project? Yeah, so uh, in the first uh, in the first years, uh, it was fully driven by uh, work after hours. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a particular period of time where uh, Matthew could focus full time on the project because uh, the company. Uh, that hired that hired him uh, gave him around uh, nine or twelve months, almost free time to just work and develop open source product, which was great. We made uh-huh. a lot of progress during that time. And they didn't uh, own any of the software that he built during that time. Um, so he worked for OpenX at the time. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it was still early days. Um, it was 2008. Uh, it's not uh, where OpenX is today. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he, it, it was one of our, you know, sponsors. I mean, he wasn't a sponsor of the uh, uh, in in context of money, but uh, he led Matt to focus like 80 percent of his time on this uh, on this uh, project, and then. Uh, after two, three years, when the project was already could be used by companies, uh, we had a couple of companies sponsoring developers work for a month or two months of particular features. But this was about it. And we tried to do some donations, but this wasn't really sustainable. It, okay. uh, did not, I mean, it had us to maybe fi- finance some of the features and pay people to develop, for example, open source maps to show the statistics for geolocation or to pay for particular projects. Uh, we had sponsors that gave us servers, uh, but uh, there wasn't any money for us. So we, uh, we just dedicated our time. And when the consulting services came in, uh, some of us uh, worked also on, pro- on consulting projects for PeeWeek. Uh, but it wasn't until 2013 when we found a company and uh, we started doing uh, business as a company. Uh, so how did you build? kind of um, include the community in that company? Uh, you know, this community that, that dedicated their time to building it up. Um, mm-hmm. Were all of them still involved or were there people that kind of came and went as the project went on? Yeah, there, there were, most of the people came and went. Some of the uh, people who were involved uh, at later stages become uh, employees, or, but there wasn't really uh, too many of them that, that uh, contributed for more than a couple of months. So it was one of the challenges that we... Uh, during the development of the product, uh, we didn't really have community contributors that uh, contributed for over the years. Uh, they really came and went. Uh, there are a couple uh, that uh, uh, that contributed a lot to the platform, and uh, but they no longer are interested in the project, or they they had their careers had changed, and uh, they are of course listed as contributors and will mm. be there forever. Uh, but they weren't included in creating the company uh, because they decided to take the other way. So it kind of sounds like whoever was working at the time when the company was created were the ones that became the core foundation of the company. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's more or less uh, true. Some of these people really worked for for more more than a year. Uh, it wasn't like just a set of random people. Mm, okay. um, some of these people were already kind of employees because we paid them from donations. Uh, oh, okay. So um, they they weren't officially employed. They just became after the company. Right. Funded. <laughs> So how do you guys, um, you know, you're giving away this software for free. How do you do the sales process on it? How do you know who to contact, if at all? Um, what does that look like for you guys? Um, so we are very lucky because because Peewee got so much traction. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until point, uh, most of our leads came organically through our community website. Oh, okay. um, so we have a community website, uh, pweek.org. 
and we have the business site with business offer pwik.pro. And there are a lot of references, of course, on the community website if you want to pro get professional services, support, or uh, cloud hosting, uh, you're redirected to Pwik Pro. Uh, and that's really how uh, we get leads at the moment. Uh, we are in the process of rolling out some more active uh, lead capturing techniques and uh, also, uh, also uh, start using marketing automation tools. But so far during these first two years, uh, we were able to maintain uh, really good growth just on the organic leads that we get through the community. And uh, that also proves like how late we started doing sales and products because uh, the website was already up for five or six years uh, <laughs> before the business was founded. So uh, it got a lot of content. It got a huge community around it. And it was very easy to start a business without rising any investment. So you have all these inbound leads coming in, which is a great position to be in. How do you guys keep it straight internally? And how do you move people through the process once you contact them the first time? Sure. So uh, first of all, when we, uh, we have two products. So cloud is really uh, self-service. So you sign up for a trial. Uh, and you, uh, we start a drip campaign with education as well as some, uh, some other, we send some other emails to, uh, uh, encourage you to, uh, contact us for help if you need help, to add website, uh, add tracking code to the website, uh, as well as to subscribe to our service, uh, finally after trial is over. It's getting more interesting on the enterprise side because uh, we capture only the contact information and the inquiry. And the first step in the process is uh, scheduling a call with the customer, uh, even though uh, they sometimes they want to just have a pricing sheet. But uh, we know that to make successful sales, we really need to speak with them to learn more about their needs and see which product might be the fit for them and sell them for PeeWeek rather than sending out product sheets. So we try not to give away uh, our pricing until we schedule a first call uh, with the customer, sometimes second call with the customer. So uh, on the first call, we explore their uh, requirements and it can be performed by a non-technical person. Uh, so that's where our sales team come in. Uh, and uh, after this call is success, after we collect this uh, information about the use, the requirements the customer have, uh, we schedule a demo, uh, which is a second step. And usually uh, someone from uh, technical team, implementation team attends this call uh, to address uh, any technical questions and any implementation integration questions because it's in, in the case of PeeWay compared to other analytics platform, it works a bit differently because we need to actually set up infrastructure for PeeWeek uh, for the customer, uh, usually on their infrastructure uh, in their data center. So there is a lot, a lot of back and forth. How are we going to access the server or if we are going to access the servers as uh, at all, if we are going to prepare virtual images for the servers, etc. So uh, on the second, uh, this technical call, we uh, want to make sure that uh, we can address any technical questions and uh, have a better idea of how the implementation will be done. 
And from there, uh, we go, we send and offer a quote if there is additional, uh, for example, custom development uh, needed uh, to customize the platform. And uh, then it depends on how, how things go. Usually it's a series of follow-ups and uh, sometimes additional calls uh, to close the sale. Uh, usually it takes uh, anywhere from uh, one, two months uh, up to even six, nine months in case of uh, corporate clients. So what kind of clients are typically interested in, um, in the solution? Are, are they interested in open source software in general? Are they interested in like the security side and not using something like Google? What's, what's their kind of MO for hiring you? Mm-hmm. So uh, there are uh, a couple of things what they are looking for. So first of all, they don't, for some reason, there is usually a reason why they don't want to send the data to third parties. So they want to keep the data on their servers. It can be because of the collect PII information. Uh, it can be because uh, they are, I don't know, payment processor or bank or government that they want to keep the data on their infrastructure or uh, it can be compliance reasons. For example, in Europe, uh, there are various laws in EU countries where uh, it prohibits to send the data outside of European Union. So this is uh, the first reason. The second is uh, that in many cases they want to uh, integrate the raw data. So in PWIC, uh, you can not only see the report similar to Google Analytics or Adobe Omniture, but you can also access the raw data very easily through API or directly to uh, querying the SQL. And uh, they can take this data and uh, import it into their data warehouse, connect with other data such as CRM data or, or other uh, data sources where they collect data about customers and perform their analysis. Third thing is that in some cases, they simply want to measure internal applications. So, um, for example, it can be uh, an application that is uh, installed uh, on, ter- on uh, interactive uh, screens uh, within uh, a ship or a plane, and you want to try to do analyze the behavior of users and the usage of these applications, and you have no way to send the data uh, to, uh, to servers because there is no connection or, they, or uh, it, there may not be a connection temporarily. Uh, so that's a kind of third case. And the last one is that uh, they want something custom. So uh, they want to customize the product and either by themselves or usually they ask us for developing plugins uh, that will add additional capabilities that are very specific to the data or to the aim that they want to achieve with Pewik. So what percentage of your kind of, I guess, users, would you say, are free versus this um, kind of enterprise um, and, and paying um, segment? It cannot be fully assessed. Okay. <laughs> because uh, if you, you can download uh, the software and uh, instead of placing a JavaScript on your site, you can just analyze your log files 
and will uh, never have an idea that you use PWIC. I see. Yeah. But for the sites that uh, uh, that users uh, that users uh, install JavaScript, we know that there is uh, more than one million websites worldwide that use PWIC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does not mean also that this is number of customers because with, we have clients that on single PWIC insta- instance, they track 15,000 websites. On the other end, we have the data about upgrades of PWIC. So once you download an upgrade of the platform, uh, in many cases, we can uh, we have this data on our servers. So we, can, we know that you downloaded the upgrade. Okay. Uh, and this shows around... Uh, 300,000 uh, users. So that's wow. pretty yeah. a lot. But it's, it, again, it may not directly translate to number of active PWIC uh, instances. Okay. Um, enterprise customers prod, are, are big projects and usually uh, we have a lot of work with that. So there are, uh, let's say, uh, close to 50, under 50 or close to 50 of them uh, currently. Uh, but usually these are really big accounts for us, okay. uh, ranging from uh, Hewlett-Packard or Accenture. Um, we have three international banks that we I cannot disclose, as well as we have three very big telecom companies uh, wow. that I cannot also <laughs> disclose the names. Uh, but it, it will give you an idea of uh, size of these uh, customers, and uh, they have usually some custom needs, and we need to dedicate quite a lot of time for them. Yeah, um, yeah and that's uh, at Enterprises, our main revenue stream. Uh, although in number of customers, this is a very small number compared to cloud, for example, which have uh, a couple hundreds of customers. Okay. But there are small customers, self-service, uh, small revenue stream. The cloud starts from 60 bucks a month. So um, it's a, a different segment for us. Do you think um, if you guys had started again and were focused on kind of the sales that it, it you could have done it faster than five or six years? Or do you think five or six years is really what it takes to um, to build up the traffic that uh, a business solution like this needs where you're offering it for free to so many people to find those enterprise um, customers? And I know that's not why you guys did it, but uh, yeah, just yeah, looking yeah. at it from the business perspective. I think from the business perspective, we would be, I mean, from the sales perspective, we would be able to do it much, much faster. Mm. Uh, but I'm not sure if we would be able to have uh, that uh, major product uh, that would be suitable for these clients. So, uh, of course, if we had, if we started from scratch and if we could hire uh, ex developers full time working on the platform, we, we, we would move uh, faster much, I mean, we'll, we'll move much faster uh, than we moved in the early days when there was no one full-time or one guy full-time. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was a lot of uh, work put into the product to make it suitable for uh, this size of customers. And... Uh, I think that would be uh, limiting us uh, in the first place, not uh, the sales. Uh, because when we, when we had a great open source product, the sales came just um, uh, easily. I mean, it, it, it wasn't easy. 
because uh, initially uh, we couldn't figure out uh, what should be our enterprise offer. And we thought this would be like turning on the switch because we were so confident. We received so many of these consulting requirements that now we found a company, turn on the switch and the revenue will come. <laughs> it wasn't that easy. It was uh, a huge amount of work to get uh, to where we are today and to actually start uh, selling this product successfully. Uh, but this still was uh, probably a, a close to the two years, uh, one and a half year working on the product and on the on our offer to get it right and uh, to make uh, our sales process successful. Yeah, so the other thing that I'm always curious about in, in um, open source, like I've worked on teams where even two developers can't work on the same code base. How do you, when people are coming in and out of... Um, of the code base, keep everything consistent so you can keep growing on top of it and you don't have this large technical debt that you're, that you're amassing as you move forward? It's challenging, but uh, we, first of all, we uh, use GitHub and Gitflow to make sure that uh, all major contributions go in pull requests. That's just from organizational perspective. Mm. Uh, and we spend a lot, of, we, we, uh, I think, when we, two or three years ago, uh, we literally covered most of the P-Week with automated tests. And we keep it going forward to just add new tests. And this test starts with unit tests, through integration tests. And we have even our own framework for screenshot tests to just compare if uh, interface didn't break after the change, uh, okay. so that the, we compare the screenshot and we uh, show a diff if, if there is some difference. Uh, so there's a huge amount of uh, work put into the test, but that's also not enough. Uh, so, for example, for last uh, three months, uh, we freeze the product and worked only on maintenance and refactoring tasks uh, just to get the platform better. Uh, and now we can continue with adding features. So... There are periods of time that we, where, where we decide simply not to do too much new features uh, rather than uh, work on performance, work on refactoring to make sure that uh, the code base is, is really great. And I, I also saw a lot of uh, open source projects that have like um, a few years or even close to nine, ten years and their code base is really a mess. Mm -hmm. And if we hadn't made uh, uh, such a decision to refactor and uh, uh, go with newest standards, like, for example, our platform is PHP, so we introduced this last, last year, we introduced, introduced uh, namespaces, and we did also a, a round of refactoring over the summer. So if we didn't do these things, probably we would have a lot of problem today, a lot of problems today. Uh, but because we, we have really strong technical engineering team, uh, they sometimes just, just uh, let uh, sales and like product team to uh, just stop for a bit to make sure that, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, we keep the quality. Uh, and also on the security side, because that's also, I think, very important aspect of such platform. Uh, we run uh, external security audits uh, once a year. Okay. As well as we have bug bounty programs. So anyone that finds a critical security bug in the platform receives a bounty 
from us, and that helped us over the years uh, to eliminate uh, some some of the security issues in the platform. And I think this program is uh, has three or four years uh, already, and uh, cool. we were able to catch a lot of stuff and make make sure the platform. Uh, complies with the highest uh, standards. Sure, sure. I mean, you need to when you're doing enterprise. Yeah. So, where do we keep up with you and and Pwick online? Um. So, uh, first of all, on Twitter, uh, Pwick and Pwick Pro uh, handle. Uh, my handle is Zavajinsky, but I'm not sure. If you <laughs> we'll link to it. We'll link. To it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, as well as on our website, uh, if you want to stay up to date what's with Pwick, you can sign up for our newsletter on pwick.org, uh, or simply uh, follow us on Twitter. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Woo Themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocketship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials. Mm-hmm.